All right, turn in your Bible with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So grateful for the word that you guys have been blessed by, with the word Ronald shared with you a couple of weeks ago, and that Peter brought as well. Uh, I, I feel like in some ways, and I can't necessarily apologize for this, sometimes the Lord constructs things the way in which he intended them to, and it's not necessarily because we've strategized well, it's just what the Lord intended. But uh, we are slowly venturing into 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and, and I, I think by the Lord's design, he's got us slowly venturing into that set of passages today, because I'm not going to quite get us into it very far either today. And I, I've titled the message today, The Great Charismatic Expedition, an exhortation more than an exegesis. Exegesis is a fancy word that is used to describe preaching from the Bible. It's where we take Bible passages and uh, expound upon them. And that, that is the substance and core of what we're going to be saying from a particular passage. Uh, this is more of an exhortation today than it is a, we're going to take a passage apart. I just, I just want to, I felt like the Lord wanted us to, to be exhorted as it pertains to the existence and the functioning and the reality of these things called spiritual gifts. And I'm very aware, and I would hope that you are increasingly aware, uh, and if you're not increasingly aware, next time we take communion, which will probably be next week, uh, pay attention to the people who are walking past you in the lines as they come up to take communion. And then ask yourself the question, do I know anything about that person? or that person, or that family, you'll, you'll find that, that God has added a, a lot of folks to us that, that we're getting to know and, and we're walking with together. But this whole subject, you know, if you've been in Lakeview Christian Center for a long time, you know that you know, we approach the subject of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit, uh, from a particular angle that we believe is clearly what the Bible teaches. But would you be surprised to know that there would be some people who God has added to us who are not coming from that perspective? Right, this, is a, this is a category for them that's been handled differently than perhaps what they're going to hear us handle it as we walk through these passages. Uh, perhaps I'm going to say something or one of the other guys is going to say something from the pulpit that's going to be a, a tripwire for some folks because, ooh, you use that buzzword. And where I come from, that buzzword meant this. And, ah, wait, that's trouble for me. And that's going to be a difficulty for some people. Some folks aren't coming from a place where charismatic is a comfortable word and and practicing the the things of the spirit hasn't been a good experience or they've been in a place where it's very cautiously approached. That might not be your background, but somebody in your small group might be in a different background than you. Somebody that's walking with us now is not from your background. And so uh, a little bit of an exploration this morning is why it's called an expedition, but let, let me just set the uniqueness and the peculiarness of this verse, this section in front of us, and and just ponder with me how much we may or may not really know the realities of some of these words. I look in chapter 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Look in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right, now this is familiar wording and passages for most of us, right? So we don't, we don't, for the most part in Christianity, have a problem with picking up these verses, reading them, and then pondering them as concepts. But here's where it gets a little interesting. What if I just look at that list, and what if I said, okay, today, in the meeting today, be prepared, we're going to do these things, And since the Bible just said that the Spirit distributes to each one individually as he will, could be any one of you could be having an utterance, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, or a gift of healing, or miracles, or faith, or one that you might be the one who's going to speak in tongues. That's what we're going to be doing in about 15 minutes. All right, now, you'd approach that a little bit differently, right? These are great concepts to learn about from a distance, but I don't think Paul in any way was intending this to be some distant, theoretical, bookshelf sort of an idea. He's actually thinking you're going to do this stuff. And he put some labels on it. And let's be honest, there's a ton of mystery in here. You could... You could begin to speak in tongues. Well, how's that going to come to me? What's the first step going to feel like? Am I going to be out of control? Is it something that feels like this? All right, these are questions that come with this territory, right? And then where it gets a little weird is, is where we try to step in and answer all those questions. Because you'll notice, Paul's pretty brief here. You're going to have a word of wisdom. All right, could you give me a little bit more detail on that? Uh, Is my mouth just going to start moving and wise words are going to come out and I'm not participating? Is that going to come like a thought? Is it going to be a phrase, an image, a bright light? How is this coming to me, Paul? Well, and he doesn't say a whole lot there, does he? And see, where it can get a little challenging is when you try and put flesh on the bones. Sometimes that's done in a really weird way. Sometimes it's done in a fine way. Sometimes it's well-intended, but it's just not helpful. But here's the reality for us, right? So I'm calling this an expedition because we're kind of venturing into a mysterious land, aren't we? I mean, chapter 12 through 14, it's meetings that have weird stuff going on and people that you were just exchanging recipes with moments ago have some inside information about your past how did they know what happened to me at 10 you didn't even know me at 10 and all of a sudden they're sharing that stuff with you and it just okay this is this is mysterious well you know 
uh, life is filled with mystery. And that's true. People know that. And if you're a if you're a, a Star Wars fan, right? You're aware that that there's this mysterious part of the universe out there, right? It's there's this thing called the Force, and it's just kind of weird and people don't know what to do with it and there's jedi they know a little bit more about what to do with it but they're not all the same some of them are way out there in the force world and some of them they're kind of like can barely pick stuff up with their minds before they drop it they're not quite as cool there's this strange little particles in the universe called metachlorians did you know this that somehow Depending on how much metachlorians is in you, you got this attachment to the force. And, you know, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, there's this mysterious thing called the power of the ring. And so all these stories, all this literature, all these movies and books that have been written in every culture is trying to explain that there's the stuff that we see and then there's this behind the scenes kind of weird stuff that we don't quite fully understand, but we all know it's there. And you can't find a culture in the world that doesn't have this in it. Where's this stuff coming from? Well, you know, the old phrase, art imitates life. There, every human being knows that there's, this stuff is in this world that we live in. There's invisible stuff and there's seen stuff. There's the way we operate with physical activities and there's unseen, peculiar stuff. How do, you, how do you touch that? How do you interact with it? And it's a little strange. And not everybody has an appreciation for that. Most of these movies or books always have characters in it that are deeply spiritual and those that are really skeptical, Right? You know, the, the scene before Darth Vader squeezes some guy's throat to death. You know how he does that in the movies? You know, that moment where the, the Empire General makes some kind of mocking statement about Lord Vader's ancient superstition or whatever. And then there's Han Solo. I mean, we need to quote Han Solo. Han, right, Han says... Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Y'all remember this line from Han? Han says, you don't believe in the force, do you? Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff. But I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field that controls my destiny. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting because Han could be right here in the room with us in the Christian universe as well. Because there's a lot of weird stuff about the Bible that the Bible says. Because remember, the Bible is not a, 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 it is a literature book, but it's not a literature book that's kind of following legends. It is the creator explaining the universe to us. So he's not trying to kind of, hey, there's this mysterious stuff. No, he's telling you there is this stuff. There is this other dimension of life and activity, and, and I'm going to put you in touch with it through the Holy Spirit. So this is the creator. Now, the creator says that about the world that we live in, and then art and literature and movies come along and try and grab that idea and incorporate it. But, you know, Han Solo is among us. There is a dimension to this whole charismatic, get in touch with the unseen spiritual thing that, that kind of gets greeted by some of us like this. 
uh, speaking in tongues and prophecy and people with weird words and falling out and all that. I don't know about all that stuff. That's no match, match for just sheer human deta- determination and a good blaster. Right? Just, you just got to do it, right? Christian disciples, you just got to do it. You just, just got to, maybe not a blaster at your side, but maybe a good Bible at your side. Just Christian determination, just follow God, obey God, and, and have your Bible. There's a lot of Han Solo among us in this regard. We don't use blasters, but we do use the Bible. And we may even come to the place where he says, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of strange stuff, and I've, I've seen things. I've got a background. I've got experiences, and I've, I've never seen any of that. It's very possible, very likely, that you're sitting here today, you've never seen a miracle. Something that invaded the natural realm and turned it upside down and caused unnatural things to happen in a person's situation, in a person's physical body. Maybe you've never seen a prophecy. Maybe you've never seen uh, tongues and interpretation. So you come to that with a sense of, I've never seen that. Okay, have you ever been to Iceland? No? Does it not exist either? Just because you've never had that experience? I mean, this is the danger that we bring to this. Because personally, I haven't seen that or done that. I don't even know if it exists. And this is how we can come to these, this section of scripture. We haven't seen some of these things. So I don't really know. Uh, you know, do you really need them? I mean, I've lived for a Christian all this time. Didn't need all that. Uh, well, okay, that's kind of not the point though. You know, what's very important for us to realize is the Holy Spirit is the author of divine scripture. So he's writing these things down. And he's making them known to us. And there's something about the way in which you and I are to live our lives now in cooperation, in connection with this invisible spirit who has strange stuff and activities in this realm of spiritual gifts that he says matter and that are important. Right? The, the way in which we do ministry should not be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Now, I know for a church who loves the Bible, you know, that's a, everybody right now is going, oh, should I like what he just said or not? Because <laughs> part of you is like, well, you know, the Bible's really important and it does kind of inform us and it keeps us from being weird like other people. Yeah, but that's not the Trinity, right? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we extract the Holy Spirit or minimize the Holy Spirit, we, we turn our Christian life into something that's not biblical. That's right. We didn't get that idea from the Bible. So the Bible's trying to draw us into an engagement with the Spirit. It's not just trying to draw us into an engagement with a book, as, as powerful and helpful as that is. There is the person of the Holy Spirit who we need to learn to interact with. And he helps little breadcrumb trails. These things called the gifts of the Spirit. and They operate and, and we would do well to learn about them and to appreciate them. I think I wrote this out in your outline. 
you know, in the, the realm of discipleship today, uh, the Christian universe, I guess kind of like the political universe where you have conservatives and progressives or whatever the, the terms are these days. You know, in the Christian universe, you, you, you historically had charismatics and non-charismatics, kind of like two major dimensions of the Christian discipleship. Maybe Today, that, those terms have changed. From, now they're cessationists and continuationists. You know, it's the meaning of that is a belief, a cessationist holds the idea that there was unique activity of the Holy Spirit that was intended for maybe the first century, the, the inauguration of Christianity. It accompanied the age of the apostles. And when they died off, some of these unique gifts and activities and miracles among God's people, that died off too. It ceased. And now we live in something that doesn't contain those kinds of expressions. A continuationist believes that what was begun in the first century by the apostles was supposed to continue into the ages to come and to generations to come. Right? So, you're in one of those camps in some form to some degree, right? But here, here'd be my commentary on that. The reality is this. Cessationists have much continuation in their practice. And continuationists have much cessation in their practice. It's just the facts. I know lots of people who would say, hey, you know, when I look at the Bible, I, I think these things have ceased. But when you look at their lives and the way in which they approach God and the way in which they approach people, there's a lot of continuation going on in their lives. They pray for the sick. They ask God to intervene miraculously. But they've got a theology that says God doesn't kind of do that anymore. There's some people I think move in gifts without knowing they're moving in gifts. That they, you know, they have conversations with people. Maybe they're doing counseling and, and they know how to go to a Bible passage. But the way in which they located the issue of your life and put their finger on your soul and made you kind of go, whoa. What was that? Well, I'd be tending to say probably a word of wisdom. A divine ability given by God to do ministry for another person where they were enabled to see something about what's going on in your life. And boy, all the noise is over here, but the fire is right here. And, and how did they know to do that? They're just smarter than everybody else? They got a good blaster at their side? Or did the Holy Spirit come and show them something that was akin to a gift? It was a word of wisdom. So I think some people are operating in gifts and they don't know they're operating in gifts. And so they label themselves cessationists, but by practice, they're really continuationists. And then honestly, there'd be a lot of continuationists who you really look more like a cessationists, right? Because when I read from that list, have these things ceased to be observed in your own life, right? I mean, do you, do you experience words of wisdom, words of knowledge? Gifts of faith, gifts of healing, miracles, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. See, in practice, we can, well, I'm a continuationist. Yeah, but you didn't let the gifts continue in your continuationism. You somehow figured out a way to live the life where these things have ceased. They're not observable. You don't experience them. They're so far removed. And maybe they were something that happened really early on in your Christian life. But they don't happen anymore. And we're not pursuing them to happen anymore. So I think there's a lot of 
continuationists that have a lot of cessationism in them. There's a lot of cessationists who have a lot of continuation in them. But I will say this. In our secular and materialistic age, we are all minimalists in engaging the supernatural. We do life with as little engagement of the supernatural as we can get away with. It's not until usually our lives are upside down and the pain is so great and the desperation so profound that suddenly we'll break out prayer and fasting and do something extraordinary to pursue God, to intervene in some kind of an impossible way. The situation's gone impossible. And finally, we're going to go, I wonder if there's any way for the invisible world to move the visible world. Because up until that time, I had a bank, I had ingenuity, I had time, I had a blaster. You know, I could just do life. I could just gut it out. I could just believe real hard and do things. And, and somehow, but life can get you to the moment where you're just weighing over your head. And then we turn supernatural. But it's unfortunate. I mean, we, I think we all know this, right? We're, we're living life, doing life, so much going on. Who's got time to figure out what would it even sound like for a word of knowledge to come to me? I don't have time for that. I'm trying to read the next blog and get out of my car and go to work. But if we're going to be intentional on this, can I, can I tell you, it will take time and interaction with us. We might actually have to make room to figure out what, is it, what does it look like for this stuff to show up in my life. That's why this is more of an exhortation message than it is a unpacking of a particular passage. I did read an interesting book by a couple of editors, Daniel Wallace and James Sawyer wrote a book called Who's Afraid of the Holy Spirit? And they're, they're cessationists who came to a point in their own life where they said, you know, I'm not sure I agree with my own cessationist ideas. Uh, but they'll come out and say, you'll see in the quote here, they definitely don't agree with uh, Pentecostal charismatic abuses but when they analyzed and looked at their own place of where they'd settled in, they, they felt like, you know, I'm not sure I'm in the right place, theologically. And these guys are pretty well-educated cessationists. Wallace says, the origins of this book came in the early 1990s, when both of us editors were facing trauma in our lives and in the lives of our families. Traumas that our rationalistic theological training left us unequipped to deal with. The propositions of our theology left us cold and failed to speak vitally to the pain we each felt. Independently, as scholars trained in the evangelical cessation tradition, we came to grips with the spiritual sterility of that tradition. Through the experience of my son's cancer, I think his son was eight years old when they discovered he had cancer, I came to grips with the inadequacy of the Bible alone to handle life's crises. I needed an existential experience with God. Now, before everybody goes, here we go. The church is going heretic. I knew it would happen. Can Can you go with me on this? When you pick this up, this book directs you to a person. At the end of everything that we've learned from this book, it does not direct you to a book. It directs you to a person. This is always a means to an end. At the end is not the the knowledge merely that we have. It's him. It's the knowledge of him for the sake of him. 
And so when you go through the worst of your life, yes, you should call to mind Bible verses that you've memorized. But if that's as far as you go, it's like, no, no, highways lead somewhere. You know, you can't just take your car and go park it on I-10. I'm here. No, no, nobody goes to I-10. You travel on I-10 to get somewhere. Right? So you just can't, I'm going through life and I'm going to pull up a Bible verse. No, the Bible verse brings you to God so that he is your comfort. He is your care and grace and nearness. So, and he is present through the person of the Holy Spirit in us. So we need to be careful what we do with the Bible. He goes on and he says, I needed an existential experience with God. I got in touch with my early years as a charismatic and began reflecting on how the Holy Spirit works today. I saw scripture in a new light and began wrestling with the question. If the Holy Spirit did not die in the first century, what in the world is he doing today? This essay offers 11 theses that begin to explore answers to that question. A little bit earlier in the book he says, Out of our conversations... The sharing of pain and reflection on our background. The idea for a a book addressing our concerns was born. While not embracing what we consider to be the excesses of Pentecostalism, the charismatic movement, and the third wave, we embraced what we tentatively called pneumatic Christianity. I, I love that they did that. Quite honestly, I love that they did that. Because what they did, and this is what I hope every one of us will do in this room this morning. What they did was they looked at where they were on the scale of experiencing God and what he has for them. And they said, you know, uh, it's not okay for me to stay here. God has more than this for me. And so when they lifted their eyes up to more, they did what probably most of us do. Well, more usually means more weirdness. Right? More of the excesses, more of the stuff that's been published, more of the strange things that have happened out there in the body of Christ. And if that's what more means, I think I'll stay right here because that feels as wrong as this does. Or maybe more so. I love the fact that what they did was they said, you know, I don't know what to call this land of more that I'm seeking. I think I'm going to call it pneumatic Christianity. So they stayed away from the baggage of the other labels, but they admitted there's more than where they are right now. Right, and I hope that, that that's where we are. I hope every one of us can, can get to that. No matter what label you've been wearing, what your experience has or hasn't been, what you've heard about, etc. Which, which, as a matter of fact, how many of you guys would not know? You have to raise your hands here. And, and this is charismatic to raise hands. We do that in the Bible. But, um, so raise your hand. I want to see. How many of you would not know what the third wave is? Raise your hands. Okay, so bunch of folks don't know what the third wave is. All right, so that's helpful to know because, you know, the, those terminologies, Pentecostal, charismatic, third wave are, are restoration chapters in the ministry of the Spirit. That, that uh, Pentecostal movement began in the early 1900s, first decade of the 1900s with an outbreak of the Spirit, and, and that was a Pentecostal revival. Then in the 50s and 60s, you started to get the charismatic awakening. Some of you guys may have been in churches that you remember those terminologies. And the charismatic renewal was taking place. And it was going in all kinds of places. It was going into Protestant churches, Catholic churches. It was 
it was all over the place. And then after that came another move of the Spirit, which was called the third wave. Right? So each one of them has a little bit of a unique element of theology that I'm not going to unpack for us, but, but that's what the third wave is. So all of those things had some really good stuff going on, and they had some problematic stuff going on. And so I appreciate, and I hope I want you guys to know this because a lot of you guys are new and trying to figure out who we are. Uh, for the record, we're not into the excesses of Pentecostalism or Charismatics or Third Waivers either. Um, but on a scale, I don't know how to draw a scale here. Let's say you've got, you've got nothing going on and you've got some kind of activity of the Spirit going on. Uh, and then you, you got the, the Bible's version of the Spirit going on. And then you've got excesses all over the place over here. And so, you know, people have gone beyond the Bible in this category, right? Before you just say, well, I'm staying right where I am. Okay, before you do that, if I'm here, and many of us are somewhere up in here, and the Bible is over here, don't stare past the Bible into the excesses and saying, I'm not going there. I'm not moving an inch farther. As a church, as the elders that are here, our ambition is to at least get us to the Bible. That's where we're headed. That's what we want from these passages. We see something in these passages that are of benefit and of great need in the body of Christ. We want to get here. Uh, Are there excesses? Have people done some weird things throughout? Yeah, yeah, we'll probably bump into some of that as we talk through some of this stuff. But, but we want to get here. What I just read to you from chapter 12 is in the Bible. Well, but it feels weird to me. But, but don't a lot of things in the Bible feel weird to us? At first, especially. But there is this thing of speaking in tongues and prophesying and words of wisdom and words of knowledge. That's not excesses. That's just the Bible. Now, if you get beyond that and you start pulling up a bunch of behaviors that nobody can find in the Bible, now you've gone beyond the Bible. And, and I'm not, not going to take a hardcore line. I don't think we want to do that. That you know, Anything beyond exactly what the Bible said is wrong. I don't know if it's wrong. Uh, I, I think it's been problematic for many. I think where it does become wrong is, is our, our job from a pulpit as elders is to teach the Bible. And the Bible pulls us into this relationship and these experiences with God. I don't think we have some experiences and then we turn around and teach the experiences, right? That sometimes you'll abandon the Bible in order to teach experiences. And I think when a church does that, it's moved into a category it shouldn't be in. So that doesn't mean everything they've experienced isn't God and it's all wrong. But I don't think you teach those things to everybody as though this is what you should be after too. I think we should be after this. And we just listed off nine things that I think most of us would say, yeah, I could, I could make some progress in this category of nine. So here's where we are. We're, we're about to set out on an expedition. I've called this the Great Charismatic Expedition. Right? And so I'm, what comes to mind when I think about that is, and this is, this is how this illustration came to mind. Um, right? When I think about venturing into the charismatic of the Bible. If I, if I had to say like, you know, I thought of explorers, you know, 1500s were exploring the world, the mystery of what's out there. Well, in the mystery of spiritual gifts, what, what you've got is you've got two large continents in the Bible that, that talk a lot about spiritual gifts. Uh, those two continents would be 1 Corinthians, primarily chapters 12 through 14, and the book of Acts, 
would be another continent, if you will. We could visit these continents and learn things about spiritual gifts. And Peter mentioned last week, just there's several other locations where spiritual gifts are mentioned, but they'd be smaller. You know, they'd be, you know, maybe Australia. They'd be a little smaller. Maybe some of them would get down to the Hawaiian Islands. Right, so you you get Romans twelve, you get Ephesians chapter four, you get First Peter chapter four, where spiritual gifts are highlighted in some way, and we learn a little bit from there. But the the main continents to visit are, is one of the ones we're about to venture into here. We're about to venture into this continent of First Corinthians chapter twelve through fourteen, and there's a lot to learn about spiritual gifts in these chapters. But you're probably going to go on this adventure or not go on this adventure based on what you understand, what you've heard about what could be in those lands. I've heard, I've heard weird things about the continent of charismatics. Weird stuff is over there. Right? Well, the explorers had this problem too. Right? When they went to explore, let me see this next exploration map. This is what they anticipated uh, finding when they went there. Next map. All right, so remember these pictures? You guys ever seen these? Sometimes these are all over maps, right? This is the people that they thought they were going to find when they conquered these new lands. This is who's living in the land, right? One guy says, remember, at this point in time, unexplored parts of the world were also inhabited by men with heads of animals, men without heads, but with eyes and mouths on their chests, and all sorts of fearsome beasts on both land and sea. All you needed to do was look at the illustrations on a map to confirm that such creatures existed. So we're going to venture out into the charismatic world. And some of us, I'm mean, honestly, now you got to go honestly here with me. Some of you have never been in the charismatic continent. But you're sure that they're, the people look like that, right? All right, now here's what the other thing that explorers had to deal with. For those who weren't thinking that there was people there with heads of monsters and faces on their chest, there was gold in that land. There wasn't just gold, there were entire cities of gold, right? So if you, you know, if you remember your history, they went and explored these regions chasing after El Dorado and cities of gold and they massacred people on their way trying to find, they were convinced that in this new land, Entire cities were just made of gold. There was just gold everywhere. That could be you as well, venturing into this world. That there, in the continent of the charismatic, everything's gold, man. Everything goes right. Everything's got power all over the place. And every kind of ill and problem in the Christian universe isn't there. There's divine health. If you just know how to tap into the goal, you'll never be sick again. There's victory. Why are so many churches named victory charismatic? There's this sense that, well, because in the land, everything works out right. You can, you can make the world this incredible place. Right, both of these are problems. Because you're going to find when you get to the land, it's not like what you imagined. On either end. You remember the Corinthians lived in the charismatic continent. 
They are the reason why we have so much information about the charismatic. So when Paul starts the book out to the Corinthians, and he doesn't get seven verses in until he brings up the fact that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. You remember that? Have y'all read the rest of Corinthians? Was the place made of gold? They had more problems than you could shake a stick at. All we've been talking about the whole way through is, hey, don't do this. Don't do that. You might not want to do that. Why were they doing that? I mean, they had problems from marriage to sexual immorality issues to suing each other to showing up for covenant meals together or blowing everybody off. So apparently, you can speak in tongues and prophesy and be a jerk all at the same time. So the idea that if I, if I just go to a charismatic church, you know, you know there... Everything's going to be like gold. Uh, No, it's going to be like Corinth, which is in the Bible, which you're supposed to go there. So both of these don't, don't help, right? The idea that the charismatic world is so weird and creepy and uh, I don't want to get around that. That's a problem. But so is... Charismatic churches are made of gold, and there's no problems in them. And if you just get the spirit right, you get everything else right. Um, You live in a fallen world. Getting the spirit right won't take you out of this fallen world. Going to glory will take you out of this fallen world. But until then, we might need some of these gifts to interact with the brokenness of our world. That's what I said a couple of weeks ago. Jesus was anointed with the spirit so that he could interact with our brokenness. What if these gifts are given to us to help us interact with the brokenness of the world that we're around? People are going to come to us. And they're going to do all kinds of things like the Corinthians did. And you know what they might need in ministry at some point from the body of Christ? They might need a word of knowledge or prophecy that puts them in touch with, do you know why you do this? And strangely... God points out something in their soul that no man could have known from any Bible passage. But they're being made aware that they have been living their lives for the past 37 years, insulating and isolating themselves from any kind of harm like that that happened all those years ago. And, you know, that that sounds like a decent explanation. But do you understand people who insulate themselves sometimes carry knives? And they're going to keep you off of them by hurting you. And all you're going to know is that person hurts me. That person's difficult. That person's awkward in the body of Christ. And do you know why they might be that way? Do you know God could show you that so you could minister to them? You wouldn't necessarily get it from a Bible passage, though. You, you may have to get it by a word by the Spirit. And so this is what God is giving to us as we venture into this. But, but please hear me. If, if you are afraid of and promoting spooks and goblins... Uh, or if you're promising gold cities, can I tell you, you're not helping the charismatic adventure. You're not helping. Either one of those is not helping. Because the people who are a little more skeptical than you, if you promise them gold, they're going to hang you with that gold. Because they're going to get in the land and they're going to find everything that's not gold. And it's going to invalidate your claims. So if you're over-promising by the way, you've gone beyond the Bible when you do that. When you overpromise things, the rest of the body of Christ that's traveling with you gets disillusioned by it. So there'd be people in the room right here today who are like, oh, I've heard this and I've heard that and I've seen people and they don't and the church doesn't. And 
They're just not going anywhere because they've been overpromised. Listen, charismatics among us, stop overpromising things. Stop acting as though if you just got the spirit right, everything else in the universe would come into order. No, it won't. Not at this point. It will later, but not right now. And those of you guys who are scared to venture into this land, at some point, you've got to figure out whether the continent exists at all. Whether you're going to go there, regardless of what you've heard about it. And you might have to actually go there and lay eyes on things for yourself. Instead of reading books about people who have supposedly seen those things and tell you what these big ghouls and weirdos look like who are in the charismatic universe, you might actually venture into this category and find, wow, that's a lot of over-exaggeration that I've heard all these years about these settings. All right, so two questions. This is my exhortation for our exploration trip. Two questions as we venture into this charismatic continent. Question number one. Are you open to all that God has for you in the life he has called you into? Are you open to all that God has for you in the life that he has called you to? Right, that, that's, a, that's a tricky question because we're creatures. And so when you start using words like all, you know, I've got a box that I live in. It's only so big. It's got certain experiences. It's, it's bound up with my personality. There are certain ways of life in the world that I'm comfortable with and certain ways that I'm just not just because of the way I'm wired. So I create a box and I say, yeah, I'm open to all that's inside my box. Totally open to God. I live surrendered to God. Um, but, you know, God's got stuff outside of my box. He's got stuff outside of my personality and my style and my preferences. And I don't like weird people. But there's a bunch of you in here who do like weird people. And you're weird too, right? So you're drawn to those weird, those weird people energize you. You don't get the overly heady thinker people like me. You're kind of like, oh, dude, I don't get you. You know, just... Just feel something and do it within 15 seconds, will you? It's like, no, I have to overanalyze everything until I've squeezed all the words out of it. Uh, That's just how I am. So that means I'm fine with God and all that God has, as long as it feels like that. But what if there's a universe besides me that God might be calling me to be ventured into in this? Remember... There's a lot in God that's unfamiliar to us. This is rocket science, isn't it? (laughs) Can you amen me on that one? There's a lot about God that's unfamiliar to us. Spiritual gifts are in that category. There's a lot about the kingdom of God that's uncomfortable to us. I mean, this is, you know, a sad notion of the minimalist Christianity that minimalizes evangelism, right? We're people who minimalize evangelism because evangelism is uncomfortable, right? 
You're going to talk to people about a belief that's different than their belief. And, you know, do you come alongside them? Do you challenge them? Do you cut their heads off? Do you rebuke them? I mean, how do you interact with them? What do you say? And then some of us are like, well, I don't have that kind of personality. I just, I just don't like to talk to people. I don't like to break in. I'm just not like that. Oh, it's uncomfortable. So are you going to erase evangelism off the pages of Scripture? Of course not. Well, you know, the, the spiritual gifts are kind of that way, right? They're, they're awkward, they're uncomfortable, they carry some stuff with them that may or may not be our bag of tea, right? Daniel Wallace in his book, Who's Afraid of the Spirit, he says, what I despised most about charismatics was their loss of control, their emotionalism. We fear that. We take comfort in the fact that part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. But by this, we mean... Quote, do all things in moderation, including worshiping God. But should we not have a reckless abandon in our devotion to him? Should we not throw ourselves on him knowing that apart from him we can do nothing? Goes on and he says, the Holy Spirit does not work just on the left brain. He also works on the right brain. He sparks imagination causes us to rejoice, laugh, sing, and create. Few Christians are engaged and fully committed to the arts today. Where are the hymn writers? Where are the novelists, painters, playwrights? What are the seminaries doing to encourage these right-brainers? What is the church doing to encourage them? By the way, the guy writing this is an extreme left-brainer. I mean, he's he's an academic. But recognizing... That there are dimensions to the Spirit's operation that just don't always feel like a math equation. I know you guys have been here for a while. You know I'm an engineer by background. I'm a math equation person. If I could turn this into numbers, I would. But there's a dimension to God and to experiencing Him that, that feels, that touches other aspects of who we are. And if I'm going to venture into that, I'm going to have to create a category for that. And I cannot decide to put God in my personality box. Say, ah, that, well, that's not how I am. So I want to go to a church that's block upon block, precept upon precept. And I'm not mocking that, although I did sound like I was mocking it. Uh, <laughs> the Bible should be preached and taught a certain way for it to be accurate to the Bible. But there's dimensions in this Bible that are experiential. People experienced stuff in the Bible. We're supposed to experience them too. That that continues. The, The reality of the presence of God among us is supposed to be rich and experiential. Not every day, not overly common, but effective and meaningful in our midst. All right, second question. Are you... Adding to or subtracting from the Bible. So I'm just going to go after these two questions in exhorting us today. Are you adding to or subtracting from the Bible? So I'm I'm a charismatic who's going to argue for the charismatic from the Bible. And I I think you can win that argument from the Bible. So here's my questions to us. As a charismatic, so if you're here and you're a charismatic, am I adding language particular experiences and requirements that are either extra-biblical or vaguely biblical. Am I doing that? 
when I go to present this whole continent of the charismatic, am I adding language and experiences? Maybe they're experiences that I value, experiences that I've had, experiences I've seen others have. But you know, you can go beyond that and present it in such a way that you, you have gone beyond the Bible and what you're saying. And what you're saying is vaguely biblical, but not exactly biblical. Right, so a classic example is there would be denominations, there would be a history in Pentecostalism and charismatic dimensions that would say, to, when you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is an expression, a manifestation of tongues. All right, so this is, this is where this begins, and, you, and, and that's biblical. When you get beyond the Bible, you start saying, if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there will be the evidence of speaking in tongues. Close, but I added something just now, didn't I? I just introduced you to qualifiers and to boundaries and a form of regulating something that the Bible doesn't do. Could, could I stand and tell you that if you don't speak in tongues, you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I could tell you that from a tradition, but I couldn't tell you that from the Bible. There are folks who have had powerful demonstrations of the Spirit through their life who never spoke in tongues. Now, I would be accurate, and we're going to see this as we move through this material, I'd be accurate to say a common experience of those who have been baptized and filled with the Spirit is that they would speak in tongues or prophesy. I would frame that as a common experience. Why would I say that? Because I've seen that? Well, no, I would frame it that way because the Bible teaches it that way. That's from the Bible. Right, so if I start to add to that, right, I've gone beyond the scriptures. I've made this concept among us not to be serving us well. As as a non-charismatic or as a cessationist, are you adding to the Bible philosophical constructs that explain, quote, cessation but aren't clearly and explicitly taught in the Bible. Right, if, I, if I pick up the evidence of the Bible pointing to the day that the Holy Spirit's going to come in a common way into the human life, which Pentecost inaugurates this, and the Old Testament waits for it, and it points to a day called the last days, and an outpouring of the Spirit, and it characterizes that your sons and your daughters and your servants are going to prophesy and have visions and dreams. There's going to be all these manifestations that are going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes in that day. I can make a massive case for the starting of this thing. And then I can look at the purpose for it, and its need in ministry to continue throughout the until Jesus comes back. If you want to make an argument for cessation, you're going to be handling very few passages and you're going to be bleeding them dry trying to create that argument. Well, it, it used something of stoppage. It, you, and you're going to take a philosophical idea that's going to take ideas that, well, you know, the, the scriptures are the final word of God. And, and so since these other words are revelations, we don't want them competing with scripture. I mean, hey, I appreciate what you're trying to say, but that you didn't get that from the Bible, though. Because the Bible nowhere is anticipating that all these is going to be gathered one day into a book called the Bible. When it speaks, it's not saying that. 
It is going to be gathered one day. But it's not trying to preserve these types of words versus those types of words. That's a human construct. That's looking back with history and saying, I think what the Bible was trying to get us to was to recognize these things. You didn't get that from the Bible, though. You got it from a philosophical approach to how to protect the canon of Scripture. And, and I'm with you. Let's protect the canon of Scripture. But I'm not sure you're licensed to protect it the way you're trying to do that. Right? As a continuationist, am I subtracting from the Bible by being ignorant of or ignoring passages on order and boundaries? Am I subtracting from the Bible by elevating experience and neglecting doctrine? How unfortunate that there are some churches who major in the experiential dimension of the Spirit, but doctrine is so poorly understood in so many of those churches. You know, the idea that we would exercise these gifts, but there would, there would be no boundaries for the gifts happens in church after church. How do you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, this massive continent, and not hear the order that is here? Right, so just in the visiting the church in Jamaica, one of the meetings that we had, uh, there was a Q&A time the, the night before the service where the new members could come and they could ask questions. Had a lot of questions about the charismatic uh, dimensions. And these were folks who had come from charismatic backgrounds where their questions were about how do I stay away from these abuses? They, they had been around a lot of abuses. One question after another, myself and Mark Prater did the Q&A time with them. One question after another was simply answered from 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And when you explain that to someone, they were kind of like, oh, wow, yeah, why didn't my church use that? I don't know why they didn't use it. It's in the Bible. It's in the section on gifts. When you venture into this continent of charismatics, it's, it's not out of control. It's not disorderly. Order is part of how it functions. And you get that from the Bible. Right? So if you just love, you know, take everything off the leash, don't have any kind of boundaries, that's charismatic. Uh, no, it's not biblically charismatic. Bible doesn't mind that there's leadership and boundaries and certain things that are done that don't tear down something else that's being done in the same meeting. That's just in the Bible. All right, one more question. As a cessationist, are you subtracting from the Bible by ignoring the exhortations to pursuing gifts and the abundance of experiential passages that are in Scripture? Are you subtracting from the Bible by elevating your lack of experience that makes your personal tradition more settled than the teaching of Scripture? And this is a massive issue. If I've never experienced it, that becomes my Bible. I've not seen it. I've not experienced it. I've even tried, but nothing happened. So therefore, I've concluded the matter. Wait, wait, wait. From the writings of your own experience? Listen, we don't want the continuationists coming up with that kind of stuff, do we? They go off and have an experience and come back and write that as, this is what everybody else should do. Well, listen, you can be a cessationist and do the same thing. I've never experienced that, so I don't think God still does that. Uh, what, because you've never experienced it? There are lots of things on the pages of this Bible, even those nine gifts that I've never seen. I don't think of them. Maybe I haven't. I didn't know I was seeing them. Does that mean I'm not going to teach these things? Oh, no. 
Uh, my mandate is to teach the scriptures. So I'm going to teach these things because they're in the Bible. Whether I've seen them or not. Last one, are you subtracting from the Bible by listening to too many scary stories from charismatic abuses? This is no small issue, quite honestly. When I see books that get written to feature cessationism, what they tend to do is the first chapter is about all the disorder in this part of the world. That's how they, that's how they frame it. They don't sit down and exegete a passage. They tell you, do you know how weird this can get? They're doing this over here, and this church over here is doing this, and in this part of the country they're doing this, and back in the 60s they did this, and then they did this, and so they build this map with guys with faces on their chests and say, you sure you want to go here? I don't think that's what God has. And then they go to the Bible and pull some passages out and write some things about why that's not how it's supposed to. Listen, can I tell you, maybe you've been reading too much of that stuff. Most folks that I talk to, they've never seen that themselves. They've never seen a man with a, with a animal head, ever. But they know they're out there on the continent of the charismatics. And I'm not getting on that boat and going with you. Um, okay, our obligation is to pick this up and to start with this. Every other voice needs to be distant from this voice. So if, if Paul is bringing us into this place of not wanting us to be uninformed about spiritual gifts, and even with all the missteps of the Corinthians, he's going to turn around and say, pursue earnestly spiritual gifts. That's where you and I need to start. And don't add to the Bible either your lack of experience or your weird experiences or somebody else's weird experience. Let's just start here. And explore what God has for us. Amen? Let's see, where is Eric? Eric, you still here? There you go. Come on back up here, buddy. All right, I'm going to want to pray for us. All right, let's stand up together. Father, just contemplating how to respond to these thoughts, what we hear from Paul in these words. Lord, unfortunately for most of us, the only thoughts that we have are not coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 coming from a lot of other places coming from scary thoughts things that we've heard and abuses that are out there coming from our own experiences that maybe we've questioned over time or maybe we've never had Lord these words of all the words that you have written are preserved for us 
in your word. And they have been written down for us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Or might we need these words? Might we find ourselves as individuals in a place where life has come in dark, terrifying, powerful, and paralyzing? Might we need your supernatural intrusion into that place? By your spirit, by the ministry of someone else that we walk with, that light might pierce into these dark places that our souls find ourselves in. Or might we be a church in an age, the end of the age, that needs the outpouring of your Spirit that we might accomplish and build the kingdom in this hour. But for some reason, you characterized this chapter differently. It was not an age of priests and prophets, but it was an age in which the Spirit would be poured out on everybody. Lord, we just want to come to these passages and let them convince us. Every segment of the church here this morning, God. Lord, for those who have come and their background is cautious in this category or even concluded that these things aren't for today. Lord, I'm not here to manipulate them or make them feel uncomfortable. Lord, I, just, I pray that you give them just the grace like those authors just to say, Lord, I, just, I do want to take another step from where I am. I do want to be open to the notion that there's more, even if more doesn't mean something that I'm convinced isn't biblical, Lord, but there is more. God, for those of us who have grown up in a setting where we've got lots of teaching, lots of teaching. These are vibrant words and we amen them and they, they, they touch us in a certain way, but we don't experience them well. We're not coming to meetings thinking that maybe God's going to use me to extend a miracle. Maybe God's got a word for someone that he wants to share through me. But we don't want to travel through these verses and leave the stuff that's in these verses on these pages. We'll just go on. God, these need to travel with us. So God, I pray, Lord, I pray for those who are among, I pray for our young people in particular who don't have a chapter of formerly having been in a Pentecostal charismatic. They, they don't have that chapter, Lord. They, they, they've got something else that forms their expectation. Lord, what does it mean for our 17-year-old or 24-year-old or 30-year-old? What does it mean for them to know there are gifts of the Spirit? There is power to be extended uniquely through these different operations. Lord, is there curiosity here? God, I pray for curiosity right now. God, I pray that as we walk through these thoughts, young people in the youth group, in the pivot group, young 
singles and young marrieds would right now be thinking, Lord, wait, where am I in, in this? God, what, what did you have in mind? God, did you have some of this for me? God, is there more for me to step out into, to have faith in, to, to be okay being uncomfortable with? God, maybe the other end of the spectrum, there's some of us here who have lost our zeal for continuing being continuationists. God, our trophies, our moments that we revel in and celebrate, they're, they're 20 and 30 years old. We remember that meeting, remember that word that God gave me 17 years ago for that stranger. God, would you reach into our lives, older folks? God, would you stir us up once again? In the midst of all of our noise and our busyness, God, would you teach us to receive from you words of wisdom, gifts of healing, prophecies, miracles. God, would you make us whole still in such a way that what you have for us would come to us and then it would find its way to be expressed from us. And Lord, you give us new stories. God, can we ask you for new stories, Lord? God, I thank you that there are stories. I thank you for getting to hear those stories in our small groups and in exchanges that people are having with one another. God, would you continue and multiply, giving us new stories, Lord? how you have broken into our lives by the spirit and you've given gifts to men and you've had an impact on our souls listen there's not a format I want to create for I know I've been in churches and I've helped do formats I'm not against them Sometimes to take a step, sometimes you need some help to where do I put my foot. So, not a discouragement in that. But sometimes it's just a response of faith to let the Holy Spirit just show up. However he's going to show up. And to be postured with a sense of surrender. Just to be able to say, Lord, I know the one thing I want is to be open to what you have for me. And I don't mean open within my own box. I mean open, God. I think what I'd like to do is just, if if that's where you are this morning, and there's no pressure for anybody to respond, could you just come and stand? Could we just come and get in a different posture? Could we just come, lift our hearts, and lift your hands, do something that's a little bit outside your box? Coming might be that, right? Maybe you're like, dude, I don't ever get up out of my seat except to go get in my car. Um, All right, well, this morning might be, I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming because I'm just going to, I'm going to venture out a little bit and I'm going to come and I'm going to ask God. Maybe lifting your hands, maybe that's something you never do. These are all things in the Bible, right? I'm not asking you to do anything that's not in the Bible. Just lifting your hands and saying, God, God, just open. Lord, my heart is open. My life is open. I, 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 just, I just want more from you. I know you've got more for me. Listen, I'm hoping this is where God brings himself near to us as a church. So, so listen, wherever you're at, you want, you want to do a little more? You want to venture out a little more? You, you want to experience more? You ready to ask God to, to create a place to receive more? He just wants to clear some things out. Maybe he wants to make you more attentive to his voice. Maybe he wants to give you some courage 
Right? There was a place in the Bible where the Holy Spirit came into one of their meetings. Again, these are unscripted things. They didn't ask the Holy Spirit to do any of this stuff. He showed up. And they left that meeting with a sense of boldness in their hearts that they didn't have when they came into that meeting. going, this is a little uncomfortable. Yeah. You, you cannot be spared from uncomfortable. It's just uncomfortable to get around a supernatural God and be natural people. Some people are just uncomfortable getting around people that are different than them. Just imagine getting around a God who's different than us. So the encouragement, just, just take a step. Just posture yourself. I want this for all of us. Just, but God, I want to be postured for there's more of your spirit. These gifts, Lord, I want, to, I want to be a depository of how you want me to serve in your body, to be used in other people's lives. days ahead we're gonna we're gonna explore these gifts and their use what they look like pray for folks in those particular areas but can we just do this and just you know come i think sometimes movement and action is a way that god gets us into a different posture so don't treat insignificant if god's kind of rattling you say hey man Come, come and seek God in faith this morning. Don't, don't, don't stay where you are. That little step might just be the thing that opens you and postures you in a way that God's going to come in days ahead. But can we do this as a, as a church? And you know, again, for those of you guys who are new to some of these things, listen, we're, we're not into charismatic Pentecostal third wave abuses so we went there I'm sure we'd do something to address it but we're into more of what God has in his word and I see a lot more here I know you do too so can we can we just pray as a church can we you know the Holy Spirit falls without necessarily any orchestration one of the elders when we were praying this morning just prayed about God just sometimes you just show up in ways and nobody asks you to show up nobody asks you to do anything just boom God just comes and he can do that this morning but can we just pray together let's just ask the Lord to be among us and you just begin to lift your voice to God you begin to pray right from where you are and maybe that's a step of faith for you maybe just vocalizing what's in your heart to God right now is going to awaken a receptivity from God for you just do that just take a little bit of a step of faith begin to call out
Father, what we hear in this passage, may it resonate in our hearts. May it resonate in our hearts. May it stir and disturb us from places that are less than this. Brothers, I would not have you uninformed. God, would you keep us from being a church uninformed about the things of the Spirit? Unexplored. Ignorant from a distance, God. Translation 1 says, I would not have you ignorant, brethren. Lord, would you keep us from being ignorant in things you don't want us to be ignorant about? You want us to know something about this category, so much so that it's preserved in the Word. So God, we pray that Lakeview Christian Center, we would be ever increasing in our knowledge and awareness of the things of the Spirit. We would not be ignorant. We would not come to these passages without a sense of awareness and reality. And God, beyond just awareness, Lord, this verse that Paul will teach from calls on us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire them. And God, I thank you for the clarity just of of what that means and what it doesn't mean. God doesn't earnestly desire something that's not been explained in Scripture. It says earnestly desire the gifts that have been explained. So God, as a church, we're we're standing before you today. God, we, we desire these things in our midst, Lord. We desire what you want for us. God, we desire for your spirit to be among us in ways that are supernatural. We need your light in this darkness. We need your life in a decaying, dying world. God, we need you to touch our lives through these variety of means and measures that we call spiritual gifts. God, we pray. God, would you make Lakeview Christian Center a place that in the future... Someone could come into this place in the grips of darkness and depression. And there are spiritual gifts here that will touch that person's life. God, broken bodies could come in among us. And there are gifts of healing that communicate that God is near to you. He knows your condition. God, there would be desperate situations that folks are facing that get among us. In a small group meeting, in a hallway, in a place of prayer on a Sunday morning where the gift of miracles are given into that moment. Somebody came and prayed and extended the Spirit through a miraculous encounter with this person. God, these things are in your word. And we are in need of them. Lord, it would be great if we didn't need these things. It would be great if we had found ourselves in a place that something else is accomplishing what these things accomplish. But God, we are not in that place. We will be one day. We are not there yet. So Lord, we desire, we desire, Holy Spirit, we desire you among us. Impart to us, fall upon us, meet us. When we gather in our private moments, when we're driving in a car, God, come in great ways and impart to us and awaken in us. Give us faith, longings, eagerness. Give us receptivity, Lord. 
to venture into what you have for us in these coming days.